I am the brother of a man who murdered innocent men. His name was Gary Gilmore, and he would end up as one of modern America's more epical criminal figures. But it wasn't his crimes, the senseless murders of two young Mormon men on consecutive nights in July 1976, that won him his notoriety. Instead, what made Gary famous was his involvement in his own punishment. His murders took place not long after the United States Supreme Court had cleared the way for the renewal of capital punishment, and Utah, the place where he had murdered, had been among the first states to pass legislation restoring the death penalty. But practicing it was another matter. When Gary received his death sentence in the fall of 1977, nobody had been executed in America in more than a decade, and despite its new laws, the country still didn't have much taste for legal bloodshed. All that changed with Gary Gilmore. On November 1st, 1976, Gary refused his right to appeal his sentence and insisted that the state go ahead and meet the date it had set for his death. Immediately, he hit a national nerve, and nearly every day and night for the next few months he made headline news. There were arguments, delays, and intrigues. There was even a love story. But through it all, Gary remained fierce and unswerving in his determination to die. He even tried his own hand at it twice, and he put the state of Utah and death penalty advocates in a difficult, unexpected spot. He made them not just his allies, but also his servants, men who would kill at his bidding to suit his own ideals of ruin and redemption. By insisting on his own execution, Gary seemed to be saying, there's really nothing you can do to punish me, because this is precisely what I want. You will help me with my final murder. And the nation hated Gary, not for his crimes, but because in his indomitable arrogance, he seemed to have figured out a method to win, a way to escape. Many people, of course, already know this part of the story. It was major international news for several months in 1976 and 1977, and it was later the subject of a popular novel and television film, Norman Mailer's The Executioner's Song. If you've read that book or seen the film, you know the story of Gary's last few months, the trusts he betrayed, the love he lost, the lives he destroyed, and the self-negation he sought. What is less generally known, and what has never been much documented, is the story of the origins of Gary's violence, the true history of my family, and how its webwork of dark secrets and failed hopes helped create the legacy that in part became my brother's impetus to murder. And so now I want to go back into my family, back into its stories, its myths, its memories, its inheritance. I want to climb back in and find out what made the dream go bad and what made it destroy so many lives. It's as if the structure of my family's past has taken on the dimensions of a mystery for me. I want to see if, by examining our history, I can discover somewhere within it a key, an event that might explain what produced so much loss and violence. Maybe if I can discover some answers, I might be able to bargain my...